The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 in Irvine. I am Katrina Kirkaby, and I'm here with Tina Spindler. We are University of California Master Gardeners, and we are here to welcome you to our show, In the Garden with Master Gardeners. Today, Tina is going to talk to you about gardening, the gardening tasks for the month of December. Tina, what are the tasks for December? Well, Katrina, I don't know about you, but I have a tough time finding spare moments to get out into the garden in December. It seems like December's chock full of parties, visits with friends and relatives, guests coming into town. And so I pretty much don't get actually outside into my garden in the month of December, other than to continue to water the pots and, you know, blow up the leaves and and that sort of thing. Instead today, I think maybe what we should talk about is the plants that we use in our houses to decorate and to encourage all of those festive activities. Does that sound good to you? I think that sounds like an excellent idea. I don't know about you, but my garden outside is pretty quiet. and There's not a lot of work to do outside, but there sure is a lot of work to do inside. Absolutely. And we all want our homes looking festive and cheerful for our guests and our families. So I'm going to talk actually about the three most popular things that we do inside our homes with regard to plants to decorate for the holidays, at least for me. And then maybe you can chime in if you have any others. But um, pretty much everyone is buying poinsettias for the holidays, right? Oh, yes. So we have our poinsettias that we'll talk about. Then the next thing that is a pretty common purchase is the traditional cut Christmas tree. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Indeed. And then some people do like to buy the live Christmas trees. Have you ever done that? No, I haven't. Have you done that? You know, I haven't, but my mom and dad do. So I know a lot of people do that. So they used to live on a big piece of property. So they would buy live Christmas trees and that way they added a tree to their home every year. So that's kind of a cool idea. You know, that would be great to talk about too, because I think a lot of people are intimidated and just don't know what to do. They'd like to do it, but where do you start? Sure. So we'll talk about live Christmas trees. And then um, the last thing that I think we'll talk about, hopefully we won't run out of time, is uh, the cut greenery that some of us like to get. I know I like to get the fresh Christmas wreaths and then decorate those myself. Um, But I know people also like to get the garlands and things too. Oh, it just adds so much and the smell is beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. So we will talk about that as well. So let's get started. Wonderful. How about if we start off with poinsettias? Perfect. Everybody's favorite holiday plant. And, um, but that's a pretty recent thing. I, I don't know about you, but I remember as a kid, and, and here I'll be you know, sharing my age, but you didn't see poinsettias as commonly back when I was a kid as you do now. No, I, I, you don't. And I've always wondered about the history of that. Yeah, so let's talk about that because it's actually kind of an interesting story, which I actually discovered from one of my favorite gardening books, Pat Welsh's Southern California Gardening, which is a great book if if anyone out there is looking for a Christmas gift for a gardener, 
uh, get that book, Pat Welsh's Southern California Gardening Book. It's specifically oriented to our climate, which is kind of a rarity. It's a wonderful book. It really is. Really easy to read, hands-on. Do you know a master gardener who doesn't own it? No, I don't. No, absolutely. So anyway, there's, there's something to put on the Christmas list. But anyway, Pat actually tells the story of how the poinsettia became such a commercial, widespread plant over the holidays. So... I guess there was a hotel that used uh, the poinsettia plants that were grown in the garden, which was pretty common in California. They were pretty tall plants, you know, like five to six feet tall, and they pretty reliably bloomed in December every year with the red bracts that we know so well. But these were a much taller, leggier plant than we use now. So anyway, this hotel every December would plant the poinsettias along the walkway to its ballroom because and then at the holiday time when they had events, they would have this beautiful red blooming little walkway, right? So one year they do this and one side doesn't bloom. Only one side. Really? Yeah. How crazy is that? So they call in the University of California agriculture specialist, right? Oh, great story. From, from our, you know, University of California Cooperative Extension. And they get a specialist out there who asks, you know, well, what, what happens out here? And what they discovered is that the night watchman walked along that path every night holding a flashlight in his hand, and it shined on that one side every night, and it broke the hours of darkness that the poinsettias need in order to bloom. Fascinating. Isn't that fascinating? Fascinating. Yeah. So um, poinsettias are what's called a, a photoperiodic plant, and they need 14 hours of unbroken darkness nightly for six weeks in order to set buds and bloom. I had no idea. Yeah. So once that knowledge was known... There was a, a grower of poinsettias, Paul Ecke, um, actually down in San Diego County area, who used this info to produce poinsettias that would bloom just in time for the holidays. And so Ecke is sometimes known as the father of the poinsettia industry because he took that information about the poinsettias needing X number of hours of darkness and created greenhouses in which he gave them those conditions so they were able to bloom when they were needed at the holidays. Fascinating Isn't story. Isn't that a cool story? Fascinating yeah. story. So anyway, um, that is how they became so popular. And then, of course, the breeders have developed, you know, all these wonderful colors, the gold poinsettias and the white poinsettias, as well as the different shades of red. What's your favorite color of poinsettias? Oh, I don't know. I'm pretty partial to the red. Yeah, pretty, me too. I, I still buy the red ones. It's, uh, I don't know. I just love that color for the holiday. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about how to keep your poinsettias um, looking great through the holidays. And that starts off by selecting a great poinsettia in the first place. So you want to look for ones that do have dark green foliage below where the red part is. You want that foliage to be dark green, not turning yellow. If it's turning yellow, then that probably is a sign that maybe there was not appropriate fertilization or watering or so on. So if you see those dark green leaves underneath the red ones, that's the plant that you want to get. Um, and then you want the um, colorful part of the leaves, and those aren't actually flowers, those red 
leaves that we see are called bracts and you want those to be the plant to be kind of proportional so if those are super overpowering to the rest of the plant it, it might mean that they've been perhaps over fertilized and you know once you get it and you're not fertilizing it anymore it, it could decline you know somewhat mm -hmm. quickly so look for a plant that has you know both green leaves and the red bracts you know kind of in a nice proportion so that they look nice and healthy and then um, when you get them, um, do you ever, uh, do they ever put them in those paper things? Yes. So when we go to the store, we get them. We get a nice proportioned one. It's, it's got green leaves and it's in this sleeve. Right. And we take it home. What do we do next? Well, the first thing you want to do, as you can probably imagine, is you want to get it out of that sleeve as quickly as possible because that prevents air circulation and, and can actually, if the plant's you know, some of those sleeves are clear, right? They're that clear plastic. So the plant can actually continue to grow because it's getting light. And, and you can imagine if it's all squished like that, it's kind of growing in a squished way. So get it out of that sleeve um, right away and let it, you know, form its natural shape. Do you have to be careful in transporting them? Absolutely. I, I don't know about you, but I've broken many a plant by, you know, putting it in the back of my car and taking a corner too fast. So... Um, when I get them, I usually try to remember to bring something to prop them up in the back of my car or in my trunk. I have also broken quite a few of them, bringing them home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So once you, um, once you get them home, um, you'll unwrap it as soon as you can so that they don't you know, get misshapen and so that the air can circulate. And then the next thing you want to do is water it super well. And the way I do it um, is I put it in my sink and I have, you know, one of the little spray things on mm -hmm. my mm -hmm. uh, faucet and I just spray it really well and I let it run through to the bottom of the pot and let it drain. And then I do it one more time, let it run mm -hmm. through and drain. Because as you know, from just watering pots in general, when you think you've watered the whole pot, sometimes you've only done the surface. Right. Now, once we water it, do we, where do we want to put it? Is there any special care that we could take, do to take care of it so it lasts longer? Is it sensitive to heat or cold? Absolutely. Even though we get these plants at Christmas time, they are not cold weather plants. They are tropical plants. And so they like uh, moderate temperatures. You know, they don't want it dry and scorching and they don't want it, you know, cold and drafty. So the best thing to do, like with any house plant, it is going to need light in order to continue to grow. So it's nice to put it in a well-lighted window, but not ever let the leaves touch, you know, glass or have super, you know, hot conditions next to a window. Now, if it's cool outside and it's, could it be in direct light? It can be in direct light because, again, these are tropical plants and they've been grown in greenhouses. So it's not that direct light is, is bad for it, but you do want to be careful. I know I have some windows in my house that are kind of in a corner, and then when you walk over there, it can feel like it's, you know, close to 85 or 90 degrees in that particular location. So just remember that they like temperatures in the mid-70s the best. So if you're putting them in a, in a bright or, you know, direct kind of light window, make sure that it's not going to get too hot. Make sure that they're away from heating vents so that they don't get, you know, a blast of that hot air. And then we should all be turning down our thermostats at night anyway, right? 
because they do prefer temperatures that are in the 60s at night. So if you can turn your thermostat down to, you know, 68 or 67, they would like that better than the mid-70s, 24 hours a day. I think so are the, the uh, utility company like that for our house, too. Exactly. We're all supposed to conserve, and this way your excuse can be my poinsettias need it. So there you go. So um, then the, a, a couple of hints then is about caring for them once you have done the initial watering is you want to, perhaps you're going to put them inside of another pot. I know that's what I do at home. I have a decorative pot that I put the little plastic pot inside. When you do that, it's a good idea to get a pot that's bigger, a fair amount bigger than the plastic pot that the poinsettia is in. Because then you can put in the bottom of your decorative pot, you can actually put maybe some of those styrofoam, um, you know, chunks, you know, that you use for packing material, mm -hmm. or even a layer of gravel. Because what you don't want to have happen when you water this poinsettia over the next few weeks is you don't want it to sit in water. Um, they do not like their roots sitting in water. So either take it to your sink and water it as I already described where the water drains completely out of it and put it back or if you don't want to be hauling it back and forth put a layer of something like gravel or those um, packing styrofoam things in the bottom of your decorative pot so that when you water the water has a place to go. And you want to make sure it's not one of those pots that has the hole in the bottom. That would be ugly if the water <laughs> ended up all over your carpet wouldn't it? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes that's a good idea and sometimes it's not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so that's how to take care of your poinsettias. Uh, and you do want to water them regularly. Feel the top of the soil. And when it starts to feel a little dry, you want to water it. You don't want to let them dry out a lot. Now, Tina, I have another question for you. When I moved into our house, we had a poinsettia in our yard. And I know the owner from two owners ago. And she came to my house one time and she says, you know, I planted that like 20 years ago. Can we keep, is that normal? Can we keep a poinsettia from year to year? We can keep a poinsettia from year to year, but the ones that we buy now will not get as tall as the ones she planted. Um, these are the ones that I'm talking about were at that hotel 50 mm -hmm. years ago. Mm -hmm. And those were the original you know, species of poinsettias. They grew tall and they were leggy and they um, re, you know, re-bloomed or created those red bracts year after year. So that's the type she planted, right? Isn't it pretty uh, yeah. tall? It's pretty tall and it really didn't look that good most of the year. Yeah, yeah. They get leggy and so if you have one of those in your yard, cool. Um, but you, it's a good idea to cut it back because then it forces branching just like any other plant. And so then it'll look a little bit fuller and not quite so leggy. But you can keep your um, poinsettias that we buy now, which are have been bred to be much shorter because we want them as indoor decorative plants. But they actually, in our climate, can be planted outside or used as container plants, you know, outside year-round because we have the climate for that. Um, but what you want to do, again, once you uh, put them outside, either in a pot or in the ground, is you do want to cut back the part that had the red leaves this year back to where you have a couple of, uh, you know, the green leaves because if you cut them back to there, it will send out new growth, and that new growth is what will 
make your plant bushy and then hopefully the next year turn that beautiful red color. How nice. Now I know we need to get onto Christmas trees and greenery, but one last question. Everybody asked me about them being poisonous. Can uh, you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's, you know, any plant has, it's not a good idea to eat it unless you know it's an edible, right? But, but poinsettias do have a bit of a bad rap. You would have to eat dozens and dozens of leaves or your pets or children would have to eat dozens and dozens of leaves for it to do some serious harm. You know, generally what happens is they take a bite and it, it tastes bad, so they're not going to continue to eat it. So it is not as poisonous as it has been led on to be. But the sap, if you ever break it, you notice it has that white sap. That sap is probably the more uh, problem, not that it's super toxic, but it when we're handling them, we can get that on our skin and it can cause itching and you know a little bit of a rash. So if you do break one and you get some of that sap on your skin, just wash your hands, wash it off, and you should be okay. Wonderful, thank you for that. I love need to get on to Christmas trees. Now there are two kinds of Christmas trees that I'd love to talk to you about or ask you about. One is a living Christmas tree and another one is a cut tree. Could you tell us a little bit about, let's start with living trees. I, if I wanted to get a living tree, what would I do? Where do I get them? Yeah, of course they have living trees all over the place during the holiday season at big box home improvement stores to the local nurseries. And so where you purchase it, you know, is, is up to you. But let me tell you what to look for when you're going to purchase it. Um, like with any potted plant, you want to look at the ends, which are the growing tips of the plant, and you want to make sure that those look healthy and that you see what looks like some new growth on the ends of, of those trees. That will mean that it's been cared for and that it is continuing to grow. The other thing that you can check is to see that the, the soil in the pot is damp. That will mean that it's being watered regularly, at least you hope so. And the final thing you can check is to see if the plant is root bound. You know, generally we do not want to buy root bound plants. That's a little tough for the Christmas trees if you're buying, you know, kind of a big pot. But if the pot is manageable and you can gently tip it on its side and grab the trunk and slide it out just a little bit, you can see whether there's a super dense, you know, overgrown roots or if it looks like there's a nice young you know, set of roots on that um, root ball. And so if you can, choose one that doesn't look root bound. Wonderful. Now, once we picked it out and we take it home and we get it in our car and take it home, what do we do next? Good question. Uh, I think that the, the tendency is to pick it out, bring it home, throw it in your living room and decorate the tree, right? Because we all have limited amounts of time and if we're excited. We're excited. excited. Yeah. Let the tree up. Yeah. And the kids, it, the kids, all year. the kids picked it out and you know, it's they, they want to do it. So my advice is to, um, for a living tree is to, you, you want to get it to a condition where it's not going to freak out when it gets put inside your house. And so how do we do that? Well, the first thing we do is we put it into a shaded area outside. Remember, this tree's been growing in a pot out in the sun and the weather, and it's not used to indoor temperatures, right? So the first thing to do is to gradually get it used to not having sun. Um, so put it under your patio cover. It's gonna get a little bit of shade there for a couple of days. 
water it well so that you see the water come out through the bottom of the pot and let it sit there and get used to not having sun every day. Then bring it inside and you're going to obviously have to water this plant regularly because it is a living Christmas tree. And I assume you bought a living Christmas tree because you either want to plant it in the ground or you want to donate it to a school or your church where they can plant it in the ground, right? Mm -hmm. So we, um, we want to have it stay alive. Um, or we want to leave it in a pot. I know my folks used to leave one in a pot and bring it inside for a couple of years until it got you know kind of too big to do that. Um, but in any event, you want it to stay alive, so you're going to have to water it. And in order to water it, again, we don't want a mess in our house. So what I suggest doing is buying either a plastic tub or a galvanized metal tub that is bigger, obviously, than your pot that the tree came in. And what you're going to want to do there, again, is you want to fill the bottom of that plastic tub or galvanized tub. And remember, this tub will have no holes in the bottom. And you're going to want to fill that with a couple of inches of gravel. And let's use gravel this time and not the styrofoam because your tree is going to be heavy. And if you put it on top of styrofoam, it's just going to smush it. Right. So let's use gravel. And again, you're doing that so that when you water this tree, the water can come out the bottom of the pot that the tree's in and into the gravel so that the pot won't be sitting and therefore the root ball won't be sitting in water. Wow, thank you. And Tina, could you tell us about cut trees? The love and care of picking out a cut tree and what do we do there? Yeah, well, um, the cut trees, uh, the key there is you want to pick one that doesn't have, you know, super dry needles, right? And the way that we all know how to do that from doing this from the time we're kids is we go to the tree lot and we rub our hands along the branches and we see how many needles fall off in our hand, right? And we, we bend the edge of one of the branches and if it snaps, not a good thing. That tree is, you know, dry and brittle, so we don't want it. Or even if it's hard to bend. Yeah. Yeah, I like the real pliable and soft Absolutely. And then once you've picked out a good one, um, and also one thing that I suggest is if, if you stop at your neighborhood Christmas tree lot and check with them, um, you can ask them when their shipment comes in. You know, when, did, when these trees that are on the lot, how long have they been there? Good point. And when are they expecting the next shipment? Yeah, and when's the next shipment coming in? Because ideally you want to get a fresh tree. So don't be afraid to ask those questions at your, you know, local tree lot or nursery or wherever you want to go. And so assuming you get the freshest one you can, what you want to do then is you want to cut off a half an inch of that trunk because you need to get to fresh wood that is going to be actively absorbing water. And a lot of Christmas tree lots actually will do that for you, you know, on site. They'll, they have these chainsaws and um, yeah. they're done, right? Otherwise, if, if you do it at home, you know, it can be a bit of a chore. About how much time do you have from the time they cut it to the time you have to get it in water at home? Great question. You have between four to seven hours before it needs to be in water. So if you aren't ready to decorate your tree and they have cut it off for you, the half inch, and you're bringing it home and you're not gonna decorate it till tomorrow, throw that tree in a bucket of water. That way, that fresh cut 
is sitting in a bucket of water. And actually, I prefer to do that anyway, to buy my tree the day before we're going to decorate it and let it sit in a bucket of water overnight. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a good thing to do. Um, and then you want to make sure you have a Christmas tree stand that holds water so that that tree can absorb water while it's in the Christmas tree stand. And you want to check that water every day and refill it. You don't want the water to get below the cut of the Christmas and below. tree. Yeah. Now, I've heard of some people thinking they get more water if they cut the sides of the tree to open the bark up. No, that's actually the exact opposite of what you should do. The part of the tree that absorbs water is a part that is next to or fairly close to the trunk. It's not the layer exactly next to the trunk, but it's pretty close, uh, I mean, to the bark. So um, do not do that. Leave that bark on there. Make your cut exactly perpendicular. Also, you don't need to drill holes in the trunk. Some people think that drilling holes in the heartwood will help it absorb water, but that's not true. It's it, the layer of wood that absorbs the water is very close to the bark. And we could get into the technical terms, but we won't do that. Suffice it to say, it's close to the bark, and that's what absorbs the water. Cut the bottom off, and you're good. And, and you're put good. it in water, and you're good. And you're good. Right. And how about keeping it out of uh, heat and heaters and the sun through the window? Yeah, same thing for this as for the poinsettias. No vents, no hot sun. Um, just keep it, uh, and also away from any fireplaces. Um, you don't want to have it exposed to any heat sources. And, and then, as long as I mention fireplaces, let's be sure when we're done with this Christmas tree not to put it in the fireplace. I'm a fireman's daughter, and my dad had more horror stories to tell. And the reason is, is they are so flammable that they just almost explode when you put them in the fireplace. So put that tree out on the curb, let your trash company pick it up. Um, I know in Irvine, where I live, they get taken to a recycling place and mulched. So better to do that. Don't ever burn it in your fireplace. Wonderful. Hey, Katrina, we, Tina, excuse me. <laughs> Tina, we have a couple minutes left. And could you tell us just a little bit about Christmas greens and how to take care of them? Yes, fresh greens. So beautiful to bring in the house. Um, I know I, I love fresh wreaths. I love to get those and and decorate them myself, you know, uh, with my own ornaments and ribbon. So what you want to do with those is, first of all, consider getting things from your own yard. How much fresher can they be if Wonderful. you get them from your own yard? If you have evergreens, pines, um, and other evergreens in your yard, consider getting those right out of your yard. Um, they will only, greens in general, will only last about two weeks after they're cut. So the other thing you want to do if you're purchasing them from a nursery or a home improvement center, again, is ask when they're getting their shipment in. Because if they've been sitting around for a week, you know, then you only have a week left. Yeah. So be sure you're getting fresh ones or getting them right from your garden. Then what you do when you bring them home is if you've got garlands, for instance, where you can see where the cut end of the stem is, take a hammer whack the end of that cut, and, and this goes for the ones you've gotten from your own yard, and then fill up your bathtub and put them in the bathtub. Let, soak them. Soak them. Soak them overnight, and the reason you bang on the end is by breaking open that, that end. It's kind of like cutting off the end of the Christmas tree. By breaking open that end, you allow it to absorb water. Now, would you do that with cold water, hot water? What kind just of water? Cold, just cold or tepid water. Tepid water? Yeah. And just put the whole thing in there. 
might be a little messy, but what you can do is just lay bath towels or beach towels even better because they're bigger on the floor. And when you're, you know, done soaking them overnight, just pick them up, let them drain a little bit, lay them on the beach towel, let them dry until they're dry for a few hours. And then you can, um, you know, blot them and, and use them to start your decorating. You know, you could also hang them up in your shower for a while. Good like idea. Just let them drip the worst yeah. part of it. Just let them drain in your shower. That's a great idea. Yeah. Another thing, you could also go to your friend's yard. Because if you don't have the greenery, one of your friends might have, have someone would love to share with you. I think that's a great idea. You could do a greenery scavenger hunt, you know? <laughs> oh, that sounds like so much fun. Well, Tina, thank you so much. You're just a wealth of knowledge, and I just feel like Christmas right now and just getting ready to get going on all my projects, and I thank you for co-hosting today and giving us all this wonderful information. It was my pleasure. And thank you for being with us. We're Katrina and Tina, UCCE Master Gardeners with In the Gardener. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you have any questions about today's show, or if you have any general gardening questions that you'd like a personalized answer for, please feel free to visit our hotline and send us an email at hotline at uccemg.com. You can also visit the Master Gardener website at www.uccemg.com for lots of good information on gardening and also a schedule of events where we'll be speaking.